Missing Week continues with a trio of bizarre tales. First off, when a professional basketball player leaves a fashion suit, he had no idea he would be thrust into the world of human trafficking. And then we travel to Japan to meet a bizarre subculture of people who have made disappearing a way of life. They call themselves Evaporation. And then we meet a man. This story is so bizarre, I... I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I honestly don't believe this story is real, but it keeps getting reported in the media, and it's, it's real. In 1991 Romania, a father leaves for work, gets on the train, and goes on a business trip like he always does. But days pass, and he doesn't come back home. The family searches for him. The police believe he's met foul play. The family holds a memorial service, they mourn him, then they move on with their lives. Until two weeks ago, when their missing father came knocking on their door. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day, too, and you'll look at the artwork for today's episode. I got it. It is now in my possession, and nothing... I'm almost ready to cancel the show, honestly, because I think the whole show led up to this. What you are seeing... You're like, dude, Jason, I'm driving a car. I can't stop to look at your cover art. What you are not looking at if you are driving a car is a photograph. It is in my possession. Those fingers you see are mine, ladies and gentlemen. That is a piece of the balloon, boy. Balloon? I own it now. If I get enough of these cards, I can build the balloon itself. Now, new listeners of the show are thinking, this is, this is utterly insane. But... The Balloon Boy saga is one of those stories that I am absolutely obsessed with. I love the story of Balloon Boy, and now I have possession of it. And this would not be possible without our flying the carpenter copter today, flying all of our vehicles today, the captain, the pilot. Everyone give a round of applause to Squeeze God. Give a round of applause to Squeeze God. Squeeze God, you are going to be our pilot, our captain, this episode. If you guys can't give me a piece of the story I love the most, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Now, Squeeze God, Squeeze God, you're going to pilot the Balloon Boy balloon right now. We've never used this vehicle before. He's like, dang it, I wanted to drive like the car. I want to drive the Jason Lobby or the Jason Jet. We're hopping in the Balloon Boy balloon, maybe just for this first story. Let's go ahead and hop on board this thing. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to New York City. This is a story some of you people may be familiar with. Because this was actually really big in the mainstream news when it came out. But it's been so long, I imagine some of you don't remember. And some of you may have never heard this. But this is a story, I remember reading this in the news. I go, I want to know more about this. And nothing else was ever said about it. Which makes it even creepier. It was the week of August 13th, 2018. Philadelphia 76ers basketball player J.J. Redick had just gotten done doing a fashion shoot with this website called MrPorter.com. It's like a men's lifestyle magazine. So, like, wear your jacket this way. There's a picture of a guy wearing a jacket appropriately. You know, I like, this is how your cufflinks should work. I don't know. I don't know. Shoes, cigar stuff, who, who knows? I don't read that stuff. So, anyways, 
He's doing there and he's like posing for pictures and they're like, we told you how to put your jacket on, J.J. Reddick. He has it on backward. He's like, oh, my mom normally dresses me. I thought I was a big boy. But that's why they had him in this special issue. <laughs> your mom's not dressing you anymore. Ten ways to look fabulous. He gets done with his fashion shoot and Mr. Porter Doc, this is, this is a great advertisement for this website. I'm sure, because he talked, he has a podcast and he told this story on his podcast and I'm sure they must have loved the fact that he name dropped them several times during this legally dubious story. I think the story's true. I don't mean dubious in that way, but if this story is true, and I do believe it's true, there are some serious, some serious allegations laid out here. And I'm sure MrPorter.com is like, great. We can't cancel the photo shoot with Jeffrey Epstein next week. It's not going to fly. We can't have two of these things back to back. J.J. Porter is leaving the photo shoot. And he's there with his wife and his wife's sister, Kylie. And they were probably just hanging out at the photo shoot. And they're like shaking their head. They're like, I tried telling them how to wear that jacket. And Kylie's like, oh my goodness. And they're getting ready for this ride. Now, this Escalade pulls up. Busy, busy New York streets. And then, you know, they're rich. These are rich people. So they don't move muscles. J.J. Reddick only moves muscles when he's playing basketball. The rest of the time, they have to wheel him around on like a dolly. So the guy gets out of the, the driver gets out of the Escalade and picks her bags up and throws them in the back. And then everyone gets into the Escalade, and they're like, <laughs> he has to open the door for them. They're like, my arms don't work unless you pay me $10,000. They get inside the Escalade, the driver gets in, and they take off down the New York City streets. He, he gets in the car, and he's, he's explaining, because this comes into play later. He goes, it didn't smell like dog food. It didn't smell like dog poop. It didn't smell anything canine-related. But it was an odd smell. I didn't recognize it. He doesn't really think anything of it, right? It's New York, the city of smells. But during the ride, Kylie taps him on the shoulder. And he kind of looks over and he says, when he looks over at his sister-in-law, she is as pale as a ghost. She's paranormal. This is a paranormal story. And his sister-in-law was a ghost the whole time. The end. She's as pale as a ghost. And she looks at him and she kind of whispers, there's a person in the back. It takes J.J. Redick off guard. And he's a basketball player. So he knows that, being on guard. You like, you like that sports one? You're like, just, just tell the story. We know you know nothing about sports. You don't even know what position this guy played. Anyways, he, he probably plays point guard or something basketball related. He turns and he looks into the back where their bags are. And he sees like a blanket in a kind of a rectangular form. So a blanket's covering something up. A box or a cage. And it's just kind of uh, kind of weird, right? So he tells the driver to pull over. Hey, you know, why don't you pull over? Because it smells weird. And now his sister-in-law may or may not be a ghost at this point. Eating a bunch of hot dogs like Slimer. But definitely saw, saw a woman in the back. So he goes, pull over. Pull over. And as the car stops and they're getting out, he sees the blanket move. So he confronts the driver. He goes, what's in the back of the car? He's, he's agitated because he says, listen, I don't know what's back there. For all I know, we're about to get hijacked, right? I'm a very successful basketball player. And I got these two gorgeous women with me. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? So maybe we're about to get jumped. He pulls over and he asks what's in the trunk. 
So the driver gets out and he lifts the blanket, but the way he does it, he's still obstructing the view of J.J. Reddick. He can't actually see what's in the box. And the guy's like, nope, nothing here in this mysterious human-sized box. Nothing. And he puts the thing down, but they're like, we'll just call another ride. And the guy's like, okay. And he closes the back of the Escalade. He starts to walk back to the driver's side. And then I'm going to read this, what he actually said on his podcast. He closes the blanket back, and then he closes the trunk. And as he's walking to the front seat, a head popped up. And then the guests on the show, like his co-hosts and stuff, start laughing. And he goes, no, this is not funny. There's a back of a female's head. She's blonde hair. There's a ponytail. And based on the size of the box or cage that this person is in, it's like either a very small human or a child. We all saw it. So he drives off. And as the car's driving away, you're incredulous, right? You don't expect there to be a human in the, hiding in the back of a van, in a box with a blanket over it. Now, he asks Kylie, because they're watching this car drive away, he goes, he saw the ponytail, and he goes, are you sure you didn't just see, like, the really furry tail of a dog? And Kylie, who was the one who initially saw this, said, absolutely not. What I saw, I saw something move out of the corner of my eye, and when I looked, I saw the blanket was moving. And I saw half of a human face. I completely saw a woman's face. Her eyes, her blonde hair. It was a woman. And J.J. Reddick, doing his civic duty, calls the cops, calls the FBI, called the cab company saying, hey, I don't know if, I don't know if you're part of a human trafficking scheme, but there was a girl in a cage in the back seat. And what happened was, he got word later that the cab company had run an investigation and they suspended that driver for having a passenger in the car in the front seat. So don't worry, J.J. Reddick. This guy, he's suspended. You're not supposed to have passengers in the front seat that aren't related to the party. And J.J. goes, it wasn't in the front, <laughs> it wasn't in the front seat. That wouldn't have been a problem. It would have been a little weird. But it wasn't in the front seat. It was in a cage in the back. And the company's like, well, we don't know about that. And that's the end of the story. No Police follow-up, no FBI follow-up, no arrest. J.J. Reddick telling the story on his podcast, it made pretty big news, and then it disappeared. It's really creepy when, listen, I get it, it sucks that in society there are social betters. It is, it's just part of human life. It has nothing to do with capitalism, it has nothing to do with uh, fame, or, you know, why are athletes more venerated than nurses and firefighters and stuff? It has nothing to do with that. Every society, since the beginning of time, you have social betters. Whether they're the kings or the royalty, or whether it's someone who's really, really good, like phenomenally good at basketball. But you would hope that they would be taken a little more seriously, right? Like, if I reported someone being cited in the back seat of an Uber... The police may investigate it. They may not. They may kind of look into it. When someone who's making millions of dollars a year leaving a high-end fashion shoot, when their word is just totally dismissed, when someone who is more powerful and has more reach, and even using their podcast that they have thousands or hundreds of thousands of listeners, whoever, how many people listen to it, and they're amplifying this story, and even then, nothing is done. That's the reason why people believe that child traffickers and stuff like that are protected. Because they are. Someone had a vested interest in getting this story completely just done. It's possible this driver 
the he just got a stern warning <laughs> next time you're trafficking children uh be do a better job it's possible that because of this mistake he got killed right who would miss a chauffeur but this is the reason why people believe rightfully so that this these type of networks are protected by the government because they are and we can clearly see that with this when someone randomly goes i think someone's running a child trafficking operation out of my neighborhood a lot of times they're just dismissed. Remember that story a long time ago where the those people thought they found a child trafficking camp like on the border of Texas or Arizona? It was a big story for like a week and then completely disappeared. And there's a couple articles going, there's a couple news articles going, what? They're, they don't, there's no proof of that. <laughs> like dangling, there's a bunch of like kids clothes and like dangling toddler shoes off of branches and stuff like that. What? There's no kids here. There's like Paw Patrol toys. Remember that? And then they just got completely scrubbed. And then this. I mean, it was fine. Those were a bunch of dudes that were like, they were like former military people who were like searching for the, it was some weird setup and it lasted for about a week. And it's easy to scrub that. J.J. Redick, million dollar, multi-million dollar basketball player. Even his story just kind of gets like, oh, isn't that wacky? Bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. And scary. No, I was hoping for some follow-up on that, and even to this day, there's never been a been an arrest. Squeeze God, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy wrapped wrapped in the foil from the Balloon Boy balloon. We are leaving behind New York City. We're going to drive all the way out to Japan. You actually just drive onto a ferry, and then the ferry takes us all the way to Japan, but then you get to drive around in Japan. I found this story online. It was posted by a guy named Terry's Branding. So thank you very much. I never heard of this story. Super interesting. We're driving around Japan. Japan, stereotypically, when you think of Japan, you think of suicide. <laughs> Jason, that's, that's like the 10th thing that comes to my mind. When you think about, okay, when you think about depressing stuff, when you're like, Jason, nuclear bombs. Okay, if you think about depressing stuff, okay, if you think about depressing stuff, that doesn't involve nuclear explosions. <laughs> and something you can do at home, something you can do on your own, depressing stuff in Japan would be suicides. And you nod your head, you're like, yeah, I do think of it when you limit it to that much. Japan, people killing themselves. And this idea that it's such a stress, it seems so stressful. Like you see those photos and you see like all the men wearing the matching business suits. They're all going to work in these big skyscrapers, and then they go home. It's a super stressful, super post-industrial corporate lifestyle. And you have this idea that I just can't do it anymore and I can't take the stress anymore and I kill myself. In Japan, suicide doesn't have the social stigma that it has in other parts of the world. People, it's still kind of frowned upon, but you understand it. It's differently than when someone kills themselves in the West. It's, it's, a, it's, a, different me- it's a different mood. In Japan, they're like, well... He couldn't take it anymore. He either had to bring shame to his family or kill himself, and he absolved the family of the shame. But when you kill yourself in Japan, you know, the government gets tired of it. The main people who don't want you to kill yourselves are the government, because you are a taxpayer. So you kill yourself, and sure, it it absolves your family of the shame, but the government is upset, so they charge the family money for it. Now, if you do it at home, I'm not suggesting you kill yourself, right? But if you do it at home, then you don't have to pay anyone. But if you do it in public, they have to have a cleanup crew. 
Like, let's say you decide to blow your brains out in the middle of Nordstrom's in Japan. It's going to make quite the mess. So your family gets a bill for all the dresses you ruined. If you, it's very popular to jump in front of trains. So the train stops. And they got to clean the train. And everyone's late for work. And you get charged for that. Your family gets charged for the disruption. So basically, you work a job that you hate and just deal with it. You kill yourself and your family gets charged money. But then there's a third option. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. You can become a johatsu, which means evaporation. I think they should call themselves the evaporated ones or to the mist we return or something really cool. But apparently I'm not in charge of naming subcultures. And if I was, I wouldn't know where to find these guys to get to to give them new branding. This is a real thing and it started in the 60s because you had these young men and women trapped in these completely loveless marriages. And they're sitting there and their wife's like, "Well, won't you believe that?" The Johnsons across the street have a brand new lawnmower, and we don't even own a lawn. We're living in this piece of crap apartment. How come you've never earned enough money? And the guy's sitting there, and he's like, man, he's looking at a glass of water. There's a glass of water sitting on the windowsill, and he's watching it evaporate, and he's like, I've been sitting, <laughs> I've been sitting here for a long time. If I can watch, I can watch water evaporate. Oh, my life sucks. When are we going to get a lawn? When are we going to get a ceiling? There's birds stealing our food. Larry, are you even listening to me? And this Japanese guy's sitting there and he's looking at this glass of water and he goes, if only I could be like the water. So at one point, when his wife's not looking, he just gets up and leaves. And this happened throughout the 1960s and 1970s. People, instead of killing themselves, instead of officially quitting, would just disappear. Japan is a relatively small country. It's very, very industrialized. There's not a lot of places to... Like in America, you can just go off the grid. You can grab a backpack. And if you know anything about the wilderness, you could just walk into the woods and live there. But in Japan, you can't really do that. So where do these people disappear to? It's actually easier to disappear in Japan than it would be, say, in America, because they have they have a thing called Yanigiya. And what it is, is you walk into a store. And I don't think you can buy these at Walmart, right? I don't think there's a section at Walmart. But you can go to, like, these little stores on the corner and buy a brand new identity. The, the lowest level is about $450, up to $2,600. And the difference is, is how, how cool you are in your new identity. But you go there and you get all the ID cards. And after the $4,500 or $2,600, like let's say you're like, I would, one homeless person, please. They're like, well, you can do that for free, but we're going to charge you $450. You're now a homeless person named Bert. Oh, that's sweet. Or you go, I would like to be a landscaper. And they're like, well, here, do you know anything about landscaping? You're like, I'll learn on the job. They go, that's kind of cool. So that'll be $1,000. And let's say you want to be a rock star. You're like, well, everyone will know if your family recognize you when you're out doing concerts. Oh, I'll be a rock star who failed. That would be more money. That'd be $2,600. And some people do this. They bring their kids with them. So you have to buy them IDs as well. They're their backup band, your roadies. Also, the price goes up as if anyone is actively looking for you outside of your family. 
Like, of course, your family's going to wonder where you went because they have bills to pay. But if debt collectors are looking for you, that costs more as well. But what they're doing is they're purging your old identity and giving you a brand new one. And this business really, really boomed in the 1990s because the economy crashed and everyone was totally freaking out and people didn't have enough money saved up. So they just evaporated. There's two neighborhoods, Sanya in Tokyo and Kamagasakai in Osaka. These cities are Yakuza run. And there are tons of jobs there that are cash only, no ID needed, and a lot of the evaporated end up there. Because then they are really off the grid. But they're not off the grid in the sense they're worried about a bear eating them. They just get paid in cash. And the cops don't even investigate. When someone disappears like this, in Japan, it's like, okay, as long as you don't commit a crime, they're not going to investigate it. And disappearing is not a crime. So the cops don't look into this. There's no missing person. There is no national missing persons database. Privacy laws in Japan are very strict. It's very hard to find people if they don't want to be found. And the only recourse is the family that they left can hire private detectives to find them. But when they find them, they can't bring them back. There is an entire subculture dedicated to disappearing off the face of the earth. And business is booming. But we got one more story to cover, Squeeze God. I'm going to toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Japan. We are headed all the way out to Romania. And I think you notice a guest appearance in the back. Falcon Heaney himself has joined us. He's in a cage. <laughs> He's in a cage in the back of the Carpenter Copter. I'm like, oops, you weren't supposed to see him. And I throw, I throw a blanket over him. I was like... Don't, don't worry. Do not worry about the Falconini-shaped object in the back of this carbon helicopter. I'm going to see if he can fly without a balloon later. But first off, Squeeze God's like, he's totally gone insane. And you are now my accomplice, Squeeze God. First off, we are headed to Romania. This story came out. I saw it, and I thought, that's not true. So I waited. I saw it about a week after it happened. And I was like, that's not true. And I waited for someone to come forward and go, ah, oh, it's fake, you know, fake news, the article, clickbait, or some viral. I, I can't even wrap my head around this. I first saw this pop up on Reddit. There was a user named Pragitor Dulcinois. And he posted this on Unresolved Mysteries. It's a pretty cool subreddit. I thought, whoa, that's interesting. It's not true, though. 1991 in Bucau, Romania. Vasil Gorgos. He's a cattleman. He sells cattle. And due to his job, he takes the train all over the country. And he's gone for a couple days each business trip. And this morning, we don't have an exact date for this story, which again, set off alarm bells. In 1991, he gets on this train. He leaves. His family, oh, we'll see you in a little bit, Vasil. A couple days pass, that's normal. But a couple more days pass, and they can't get a hold of him. He hasn't returned. So they contact the police and say, hey, we just want to be careful. You know, he's 63, he's getting up there in age. Something might have happened to this guy. The police begin to investigate it. They can't find any trace of Vasil. At a certain point, the police go, this is probably foul play. We don't think that he ran off on his own. 
not seeing any money being used, anything like that. Foul play. But still no leads to investigate that. Time passes, and the family starts to believe the worst, that he's dead. They hold a memorial service for him in absentia. They move on with their lives. On a Sunday in August is the date that's given in these articles. They're all referencing this Romanian news broadcast. The date given is a Sunday in August 2021. So again, this happened just a few weeks ago. A car pulls up in Bacau, Romania. A car pulls up in front of a house. The same house that Vasil used to live in. The same house where his family still lives. And who steps out of that car? Vasil Gorgos, 93 years old. His daughter greets him. Her father, after 30 years, has finally returned home. He doesn't remember where he's been these past... And this, this is interesting, because this is where the articles start... To, all, all the articles agree with those facts. But when you start to look at the English translations of them, here's where we start to see some issues. I read the original Romanian articles with English translations on. And then I read two articles that were written in English, the Reddit post and then another website that translated. And there are some differences here. In the Romanian articles, it states that he has no idea where he's been for the past 30 years. He does not remember his children. He remembers events from before his disappearance, but nothing since. In his pockets, this is such a trick. If this story is real, this is one of the most bizarre paranormal stories. It defies logic. And I, I, it's hard for me to even think that this is real. In this man's pockets, he's been gone for 30 years, and they said he appears like he's been well taken care of. Has some cognitive issues. In his pockets, this is what they find. His ID card, his old ID card with this address on it. And the train ticket from the day he left 30 years ago. That's, I, I, I mean, like, train tickets aren't known to evaporate, right? It's not like, not like they're made of bread. But what in the world is going on? Now, the English versions of this story say he wore the exact same clothes that he had on when he was missing. And that was one of the first things I go, that's, that's not true. Your body changes a lot in 30 years. Those clothes would either be extremely baggy on him or tight, depending on weight. I mean, like, if you, you do not look the same at 63 as you do at 93. You may look roughly the same from, say, 40 to 60, you know, stay in shape or you're out of shape or whatever. But 60, come on. Like, I was like, uh, I don't know about that. The Romanian articles do not say that at all. None of them say he has on the same clothes. But they do say in his pockets were his original ID card and the train ticket from the day he went missing. None of the Romanian articles that I read talked about the car. This is interesting. This is where we... St- I, I think this story is interesting because, one, it, it, if it's true, it, it's in completely insane. And, two, it starts to show how the conspiracy theory community can start to change things. Small at first, but have, they're very impactful. One of the articles I read, one of the English articles I read, was by 
Medium.com, which is kind of a website anyone can post stuff on, but they were saying that the people who saw him showed up, saw the car drop him off, but they didn't get a look, good look at the driver, and the car sped away, and they couldn't get a look at the license plate. And none of that stuff is is in any of the Romanian articles. That seems to be complete fiction. I think the English writer who was writing it for Medium goes, oh, I wonder what happened to the car, and then said, well, it must have sped off. Type, 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 type. And that article, because it's in English, is going to get more play than these articles that you have to run Google Translate on and things like that. So that's an added detail. It doesn't really add much, but a layer of mystery that may not appear there. They may have, it could have been a taxi who dropped him off and they may have known the guy or not. We don't know. It's not even detailed in the Romanian articles. But when you start changing information like that, it seems like he was wearing the exact same clothes as the day he disappeared. That... That is not repeated anywhere else. That makes it way more fantastical than him having new clothes on. But this is interesting. It doesn't have to be fantastical because the story itself is so bizarre. He has the same train ticket as the day he disappeared. What? I mean, I get it. Some people scrapbook and some people will save stuff for a long time. In your pocket? Do you have a scrapbook in your pocket when you get abducted? Or who? Where did he go? When I saw this story pop up, I go, it's fake. It has to be viral marketing for something. It doesn't make sense. And it wasn't until I started reading the Romanian articles, I go, oh, some of the details that I thought were fantastic, like the car speeding away, like him wearing the same clothes, those aren't present in those articles. But then they offered up more questions, like we don't have exact dates. If this guy really went missing and really reappeared... In recent times, just a couple weeks ago, instead of saying a Sunday in August, they should have given us the week of the 13th or the week of the 2nd or whatever. At least that. Absolutely. If this story is true, it's one of the biggest missing persons mysteries of recent time. This I would put on the case of D.B. Cooper. A man disappears for 30 years and then just reappears one day. So I wanted to share this with you, and I'm hoping it's true. Right? I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? I, in the back of my head, I'm thinking this is some sort of viral stunt. Or it was a mistaken. Or maybe, even if he regains his memory and he goes, oh, sorry about that. I went, even if it's a mundane explanation, he goes, oh, I left the family and I did this and then I must have got bonked on the head and then he brought me back here. Even if it's something mundane like that, that is more interesting than it just being fake. But, I mean, this story opens, I mean, obviously you're thinking of paranormal stuff, portals, alternate dimensions, alien abduction, to stuff like human trafficking. Was he kidnapped? Was he taken to some sultan's palace and spent the last 30 years entertaining some Saudi Arabian prince? And they go, you're not funny anymore now that you're 93. You're funny up until 92. They bonked him on the head and dropped him back. Who knows? Who knows? But I saw this story and I, I, I wanted to share it with you weeks ago. And I said, no, something has to come out about this story. It has to be fake. And just time has passed. And I kept looking and nothing's changed. This story is jaw-droppingly weird. I, I have no... I, I, I can't even put into words how bizarre this is, if it's true. So... We're hoping, right? Hoping that this story is accurate and it's not some sort of viral stunt. Truly, truly, 
A bizarre story involving a man who goes missing and then comes back. Where was he? Why did he leave? Why doesn't he remember? Him returning actually causes us to ask more questions than if he had just disappeared in the first place. Unfortunately, people disappear all the time. So stay tuned. Because this story is either going to be exposed or it's just going to get even more bizarre. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.